Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! When the weather is nice and the sun is in the sky, we're messing around on the river. Oh, lovely. Lovely old trip down the river. What could be more fun? Uh, yeah, this week on the podcast we take a little... Bab- we go on a little babbling brook raft ride with uh, Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski. Uh, yeah, so that's nice. I'm Richard. Hello, wave, wave, wave. Uh, my fellow conquistadors on the search <laughs> for gold uh, are Jamie. Hello. And Abby. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Is that, are, you, are you getting your like final thoughts summary out of the way? Uh. <laughs> right at the start. I, I, I think, Abby, you very much would, would have been the lady in the uh, box being hauled over the mountainous areas. Just fanning yourself and yawning. Just walked out into the forest. Oh, yeah. Walked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that might have been my favourite scene. Fuck this noise. So, yeah. So, this week, Jamie, it was your pick, so you can tell us what the film is and who made it, and uh, then we'll get to chatting about it. Uh, this week, it is Aguirre, The Wrath of God, from 1972, directed by Werner Herzog. Uh, and starring for the first time, uh, collaborating with Herzog, Klaus Kinski, which somehow, whenever we get into some of the the behind-the-scenes trivia, it's amazing that they work together again after this, but they did multiple times. Or lived through any of their Um, experiences. Or or even survived making this film. Hmm. Uh, Also stars Helena Royo, or Rojo, I don't know. I apologise already because these are all uh, Spanish and German and various other nationality-based names, and we're going to get them wrong a lot. Yeah. Uh, can't, I can't even say the name of the film. Uh, Aguirre is that right? <laughs> Aguirre. Yeah, that's about right. Okay, because I the, when I was like I was I was talking to my nephew about it, and I was like, well, I was watching Aguirre, Aguirre, the I was like, I don't know. What is... <laughs> Wrath of God. Wrath of God, yeah? Hmm. Anyway. But yeah, anyway, the other names of people who made this film. Uh, Helena Royo, Del Negro, uh, Rai Guerra, see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's Peter hard. Burling, Cecilia Rivera. I, um, Jamie, I, you just need to commit. I'm going to start before I butcher any more of them. Um, <laughs> the point, the point is, it's the Werner Herzog, Aguirre, yeah, Wrath of I God, mean, was, not yeah, the other written, <laughs> ones. It was written and directed by Werner Herzog. Uh, it seems like a lot of his early films as an insane passion project. Uh, in the 16th century, the ruthless and insane Don Lope de Aguirre leads a Spanish expedition in search of El Dorado. Yeah. Just like Uncharted Drake's Fortune. <laughs> Why does it always come back to like the Uncharted games? <laughs> They're I the only touchstone. That, no, that's not true. There's also Twin Peaks and The Exorcist. Okay. Um but yeah, this is uh you know, it's like um 
like it's like the non-musical version of the Road to El Dorado, right? Fun. There's a horse. Adventurers. Yeah. It's uh, just like the cartoon from the eighties, the Lost Cities of Gold. <laughs> it's just a fun, like you know, voluptuous, sexy uh, natives going on a crazy, <laughs> wacky adventure, uh, playing a bit of football with. And there's a lot of animal. I say play. It's almost borderline abuse. So that I mean, it, it is. So the one thing it genuinely does have in common, other than the general theme uh, with Road to El Dorado, is people hurt animals for fun. Uh, anyway, enough about that. This film, uh, we have done a Werner... Oh, sorry. I'm gonna, let's get this right now, because it's very easy to call him Werner, because it's a W. But let's do, I'll say it right. Werner Herzog. We've done one of his films before. We did a documentary. I think I picked it. Um, and it was about... What was it called? It was called something at the end of the world, or there was some fucking clever, witty thing. Encounters. Of encounters at the end of the world. Uh, even though, you know, the, in that case, it didn't mean it, the apocalypse. It meant, you know, the edge uh, of the map. But anyway, it was about scientists in uh, Antarctica and stuff, and it was very interesting. I mean, he, he's made a lot of documentaries. He's just made a lot of films. He has 73 directing credits on his IMDb. And he has time to act in stuff like Jack Reacher and The Mandalorian and things. Yeah, the fact that he is now known as an actor and a voice actor in cartoons like Rick and Morty and it's Star Wars, is a character in Star Wars, and appear, and every time he appears in anything, he's basically just playing a version of himself. Yeah, but this time we're rewinding back the clock all the way to the 70s, where he's... Uh... He's fresh off of stealing his camera from his uh, university or something, <laughs> and he's uh, taking uh, taking his crew down to the Amazon. Is it Peru that this film is set in? I, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's South America. It's whenever the Spanish were going around and killing everyone and sure. claiming everything. But uh, the 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 point is, this is early, uh, you know, indie filmmaker Herzog, and uh, I presume. You picked it because of an interest in him as a director and probably Klaus as an actor, right? Well, I actually realised when I was watching this that I think this and uh, My Son, My Son, What Have Ye Done are the only non-documentary Herzog films I've actually seen. That's despite... uh, Michael Shannon goes crazy in that one, doesn't he? He talks about yeah, and that one's... Peng- uh, flamingos and shit. Yeah, that one. That one was. I was surprisingly disappointed by that one because it was directed by Herzog and produced by David Lynch and starred Michael Shannon, which, on paper, that just sounds like the most perfect fucking thing I could think of. Um, but it, I don't know, something about it didn't quite work. And I don't. I don't really remember it very well. I just remember being disappointed. Me, um, me, uh, me, and you, Abby. We own had have watched that, haven't we? How did you feel about uh, my son? My son, what have you done? Well, the funny thing about that is we didn't have those expectations because we didn't know anything about it. But if we did have those expectations, I would say that it would have met none of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's... I would rather just see a buddy cop movie starring Werner Herzog and David Lynch. <laughs> wow. yeah. that well, that's a different thing more... altogether. Yeah, but that's what I want. I think I think there is something to be said for Herzog as a pop culture uh, person is not not so much looking at his his output, but what people 
almost project onto him because he has such a interest. He has like that slow German sounding. Well, he's German, but like he's got that. He speaks English, but with a wonderful syrupy German accent. It's kind of intellectual and slow and uh, usually quite interesting. I think because there's he's you know he's obviously been making films since the sixties. Um, and I actually one one of my friends who like from you know from my early teens. Um, he liked Werner Herzog, and he had like he had this. He had Fitzcarraldo, which is the another river Klaus based, Kinsky, yeah. Uh, yeah, another river based one. Um, he had them on like VHS. Like he and whenever I was getting really into films as a teenager, he was always like talking about them. And uh, it's just one of those things where like someone talks at you about something. And you know you like it, but because someone recommended it, you just don't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Which just kind of defies the point of this podcast, really, because if we ever see something something worth seeing. No, I I fully expect uh, anyone listening to any of our episodes to never watch any of the films that we talk about. Which is good, Uh, because we're we're not going to... In some cases, justifiably. Oh, no, they definitely, yeah. I mean, Um, rock rock and roll, rock a doodle, ghost dad, there's (laughs) any number of terrible films. ghost dad, yeah. Um... But I saw the but the first Herzog film I actually so I was aware of him yeah but the first time I really like experienced the Herzog um, and I think this is true of a lot of people of like our age or even maybe a bit younger was his documentary about Timothy Treadwell Grizzly Man the man got uh, eaten by a bear what the fuck no hold on you've got to give it the full context man who thought he could basically communicate and live with bears got eaten by bears maybe he communicated like, i want to be eaten <laughs> but that was in 2005 yeah um and whenever it came out it, there was a huge like holy shit this documentary is amazing you have to watch it and it is it's a really good documentary but what part of what makes it so compelling other than just the weird story of timothy treadwell is that the whole thing is obviously narrated by bernard Herzog. And it's just this fucking hypnotic experience of listening to his voice and watching this bizarre story. And hey, well, since yeah. then, he's kind of become, like, beyond his career as a director, he's kind of just become this pop culture figure. Like, That's right. You said he's been, he was the villain in Jack Reacher, which is fucking, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, um, he's in The Mandalorian. He's appeared yeah, yeah. in you know, TV shows as himself. Yeah, but like he just, everyone seems to know who he is, even if they don't know like what he actually does. It's really strange. That's it. This is partly an attempt to fill in some of the blanks. We're we're in no way going to be adding more information. Like if, if you like, oh, I'm a massive fan of his and I've seen all these films and what a podcast about it. We're not going to, this is us discovering him. This isn't us telling you some more stuff. Like, like if you want to hear about the film, uh, and know stuff, you know, this will be secondhand, third hand information. So I don't, don't be thinking we got anything clever to say. We're just going to be talking about our thoughts on it. In case that's why you're well, here. Listener. So why, why I picked this one is mm. because it's the first like for people who know him as a filmmaker, his films with Klaus Kinski are probably the most famous in terms of his, you know, directing. Um, because yeah. Klaus Kinski was a terrifying monster of a human being. Um, yes. And 
you know, we I, we have done a film with Kinskin before. It was the that great Western, silence, yeah, yeah. Um, but something about the working relationship between him and Herzog, um, and so there's lots of horrifying stories about it. But they also, you know, he gets a really good performance out of it because of how much they fucking antagonize each other. I think if you're an absolute dangerous madman, you kind of have to be justified as a genius. <laughs> otherwise, yeah. otherwise, like, cause if Werner Herzog is like, he's like. If Werner Herzog's like, no, he's mental, and we we you know couldn't control him, and he, and he's fine, but we should have used a sensible actor. It's like, no, no, then he should go and be put in an asylum. But if he's a genius, then it's fine. It's fine to be insane and difficult and problematic because the purity of method acting and, and genuinely dangerous. Somebody lost the tip of their finger because of him. Oh, don't don't play don't play. Don't play cards too rowdily if if Klaus Kinsey's around. He'd blow your hand off. Fucking hell. Shoot your finger off. Yeah, so there's some mad shit. I don't know all of it, but I, I know a surface level of information. Um, okay, but uh, Abby, what about you? You have a general like of Werner Herzog. What's your experience, though? Not that many, I don't think. Like, we've seen My Son, My Son. And then I saw him in Jack Reacher. I think that might be the extent to which I, I genuinely have experience. And the docu- the documentary we did on the podcast as well. And I didn't do that. You didn't do I it. Did, oh. I did okay. just realise something, and I don't know. Has anyone else seen the Nicolas Cage remake of Bad Lieutenant? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. That oh was yeah. Direct. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I I forgot. I've seen that too. Um, which is we should we may. I may have to slate that for a future episode because it's a fucking fantastically insane film. <laughs> yeah, and even the the kind of the original Bad Lieutenants are fucked. Yeah, up. like the some of the stuff with that is worth talking about as well. But yeah, um, like um, so you 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 Abby, you have like a a surface awareness, but it isn't like like I think all of us are coming to this where we've picked up a few places. I think maybe between me and Jamie, a few more, but. We we in no way we he comes up he comes up a lot he's done loads of stuff anyway so he's bound to but it's like just a curious he's still a a curious person it's not like a you don't have like mm. a deep love or interest in him. Does any did anyone see I don't remember who was interviewing him but that interview where he gets shot and continues the interview. <laughs> I heard gets, about this. Yeah, not with a not like with a like a full on gun. It's like an air rifle or something, but it's enough to like make him bleed. And he's like talking, and you hear something, and then he's like, "I've I've just I've just been shot," and like shows like the his shirt and this blood, and then continues the interview. He also saved uh, Hakeem Phoenix's life from a burning car. Did you say Hakeem? Hacking, hacking. You have to pronounce it. There has to be a lot of that in there. J Joker Phoenix (laughs) was in a car accident and the car was on fire and Herzog happened to be randomly nearby and pulled him from the wreckage. Fair play to him. Like a fucking Hulk. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so Abby, you were thinking what about this one? I mean, you've you've seen Great Silence though. That's a Klaus... Because no. you haven't seen that, God Almighty! So, for, so re- <laughs> really, wait, were you not on that one? No. Huh. 
It's because it, you were the silent one in that one. The great silence was from you. <laughs> oh, well. If, I feel like we need to do more then. <laughs> I think yeah. that I've actually... There's a good chance that I was actually present at these, but I have no recollection of it because yeah. I have a broken brain. So, yeah, I was aware of a few... There was a few, you know, across the cross of all the pop cultural things he connects to. I've had a nice sampling of him. And then Klaus I've seen a few times in the odd uh, film, his spaghetti westerns and um, some of his more uh, art house stuff. Um, and I, but I hadn't seen this one. I hadn't seen any of the original sort of fiction movies Herzog uh, started off his career making. Uh, so I was, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm on board for this. That's about the size of it. I didn't know much. Uh, you could tell it was about uh, like a period drama, but I didn't know what it was about otherwise. So it was it was fresh to me, and it's a nice... I was I was expecting this one to be, oh, Art House, it's got an impronounceable name and some difficult actor in it, and it's pretentious and it's got huge accolades and it's loved by critics and it's obscure enough to be weird. This is definitely going to be three hours long. And then I was like, oh, it's 90 minutes! Wow! <laughs> That's so wonderful! I already like it! <laughs> We watched, we watched bloody Fiddler on the Roof, and I was like, how can it be this long? It's just a feckin' musical about some juice. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just three marriages. How long does it take? So, anyway, but like, um, nice 90 minute down the river story. You know, I was pleased. I was pleased to begin with. That's that's about it, though, for uh, expectations. Uh, yeah, I guess we start with a massive cliff with all the. Uh, costumed actors slowly plodding down with their llamas and holy mother statues and any number of weapons and cannons and like it's just a long drawn out like beautiful beautiful shot of like a big steep cliff with all the actors marching down in single file uh, what did you guys make it's quite a quite an opening uh, shot isn't it I um, I wanted to highlight. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Popol Vu, the composer. Vu. Could you have another go there? Popol Vu. No, no, that's fine. Seriously, P O P O P O L V U H is how you spell the name. Um, I feel like perhaps you should have considered all of these problems before you put this voice in the film. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> This is this is the best possible way to tackle this. Um, Ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> the <laughs> the composer of the score. Yes. I really really like this weird ethereal synth choir uh, music that plays throughout, and the the first shot of all of them coming down that big mountain. Um, is one of the like I like how oddly serene it is. And then when you get all these close-up shots of them making their way down the mountain, the first thing I thought was, this looks like it was a fucking nightmare to film. Yeah, which, yeah. Apparently, which supposedly it was. Yeah. But you just you just look at it and go, just, is it, that's a stunt, right? You've got literally all your actors doing a stunt, which yeah. is going down an almost vertical cliff. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's a very, Herzog has uh, placed the cameras, uh, or the camera, he like, fuck, whatever. But he's, he's, <clears throat> he selected a really good shot, like where you can pan, pan out and reveal more, and then you get so many of them coming down, like 
the mountain and then they kind of curl up and and around and back up the mountain and past the camera and then we get further uh, shots of all the actors a few of the natives looking directly at the camera but it's fine it's fine we're not taking it again guys fuck it um <laughs> but we, we get a good sense of uh you know a large quantity of people and then as you say like the music is evocative it's almost like a kind of a sort of medieval feel to it and uh, and then the fog the natural fog that's on location in the in the jungle so it and then you just kind of go well I'm there and I know it's the past because everyone's wearing uh weird conquistador outfits and uh, what's the other one like the ponchos that the uh the natives yeah, it's like are wearing traditional like Peruvian, Peruvian panpipe clothing. villager. Um, oh yeah, the panpipe guy. We'll get to him. But um, <laughs> it, like when I was watching this, especially this long, because the the film sort of begins with this long trek through all of this sort of damp jungle, and I was sitting there, and it's it's it, we're recording this in the summer, and it's fucking hot. So I was already just sitting there, sweaty and tired, and then watching this like. I felt like I was trudging through the river. Mm. I could smell the scene. Yeah, I mean, a good time to watch when you're in the heat of summer. Because, like, I I think it really... No, it's the opposite. You want to be watching (laughs) it in the bleak midwinter and warm yourself up. Okay. But, Abby, what did you make of, uh, you know, this... This quite elaborate... Like, I mean, just the very fact you've got so many actors in costume... And you're actually traipsing them through the jungle. I mean, there's no, there's no green screen shit. It's the seventies. What do you make of it? Well, it was, it's funny actually because that one image I have of, the, sorry, the one image of the film I came in with was this illustration that is, it happens to be the, um, the picture on Letterboxd. Which makes it look a little bit like a sort of Dungeons and Dragons fancy. Oh yeah, it's a, the, 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 I know what you mean about the poster art of that particular poster. Yeah. So, I did expect there to be a sort of dragon. Orcs I was going to say surreal. Like I was expecting it to be not quite real looking, and that's what I got seeing them streaming down that hill. It was very odd. Yeah, it, it it is sort of reminiscent of a kind of big sword and sandals epic where, you know, like the fucking... The troops are marching through fucking Mordor or some other made-up place and they're going to fight the other, you know. So, well, yeah, it is. It is and it is, it's an army, but it's also, like, the kidnapped people and slaves that you're forcing to, like, carry your wooden... Because, uh, okay, let's talk about some of the characters that are specifically highlighted. So we've got... Generally, like military conquistador uh, dudes, so you know, explorer Spanish military types from the what, what time period was this? I guess like the sixteen hundreds, right? Yeah. Um, so they're you know they've got a large military group that are all a single file in this case, and then we've got the sort of Peruvian natives. It's weird. The subtitles for us said Indians, and I was like, is that the right term? Well, like, it's. There's no German. That's... There's like a no German translation nuance. Like it's like um, what else do I we call it, them? They I call them that. Was... 
Yeah, it was the general term for anyone they found in other countries that wasn't white. <laughs> like, I think they just okay. they didn't give a shit. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, but that's literally for you know translation's sake. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's a problem. I just think it was. I. It just every time they said Indians, I was like, wait, this is more like Amazonian tribes people. These aren't, you know. I mean, that's not even the right term anymore. You know, Washington are currently trying to consider renaming their football team. So I don't know. I, I mean, where do we even stand on what you're supposed to call indigenous people half the time? So I, but I was that was confusing me. I was like, this isn't a Western. This is like South America. But um, anyway, the native people in their ponchos, they, they so they're like slaves, right? The people in colorful ponchos are like Peruvians yeah, or something. Yeah, they've been, they've been like conquered and enslaved to help out with translate translation and heavy carrying and just and all of the spanish uh, characters are sort of mal just shoving them and being impatient with them uh and then we got the actual slaves like some just like chained up dark-skinned men or well there's one there's they keep a black guy uh, so that they they can strip him naked and scare off the tribesmen yeah. who've never seen a black guy before. That's literally what they do in one of the scenes. I guess that's something from the history books. Because if Herzog made that up, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that is something that they would do, which is also insane in a different way. <laughs> yeah. So we got um, we got them, and then we got some vague royalty. Like, obviously not kings and queens, but, like, lords and ladies or something? The crux of the story is the the, the setup here is they have uh, uh, Pizarro, the guy who's leading the expedition, um, has, like, they decide that they have to split up, and he puts, um... Uh, shit, I can't remember the character's name. Yeah, I'm not good with names. He, like, there's two. Give me something to go on, but the guy in charge, like the guy who's, uh, I guess, lady folk, is with him, right? Yeah. Oh, the one who gets designated. That is Don Pedro de Osua. Osua, that's him. This is yeah, his. Okay. This is his wild goose chase, right? Yeah, and then yeah, and he has his partner, girlfriend, wife with him, uh, and then the second in command is Aguirre, uh, and he has his daughter with him, because fucking why not? And that's the girl he's fawning over quite a lot, isn't it? And showing sloths yeah, to and I, st- I Baby sloth? Oh, look cute. <laughs> fucking baby sloth was adorable. I don't yeah. know if I've ever seen an actual baby sloth before. That's pretty um, cool. But, um, yeah, and also his relationship with his daughter, like, you pick up on some of the creepy vibe, but it's not confirmed until the very end of the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, and you, yeah, you have the the fat nobleman, um, but there's the power struggle going on because um, there's not a huge amount of setup with Agiri other than he's clearly power hungry, and essentially m- mutinies appoints the fat nobleman king of yeah. his new country. Well, yeah, this decided. is yeah, this is more of the sort of the plot. I was thinking more for just covering, like, generally what the group was initially. Because, like you say, it splits in two uh, once they get into, like, a, 
a, I guess, a problem. But the idea is that the Spanish were trying to conquer the world, and this is a sort of, well, we've heard that there's this place, El Dorado, the city of gold, and we want to find it in the middle of the jungle. But uh, well, I don't know if historically that was considered at the time still a bit of a wild goose chase by like people back in civilization. You'd send your men and you'd be like, yeah, it'd be great if you could find a massive golden city and uh, add it to the empire. But you'd have to, it's a, it, even then, would it not have been a bit of a fucking, you know, pile of old bollocks that you send idiots on a quest to find? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think that's probably what it was. Like, it was... It was this. Well, it, it'd be cool if it's true, and like, like you to go and find out. But I also don't expect you to ever come back. <laughs> like, yeah. Worst, well, but you know, best case, like worst case scenario, you conquer a few people, where you send some slaves back and some produce, and you know, still you'll still conquer. You'll conquer something. You know, even yeah. if it's not a golden city in the Amazon. Which is, a, a, yeah. Now that you say that you'll conquer something, that's yeah. kind of into what ultimately happens in the film. Just. Like, just make Spain bigger, guys. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but there's a huge party. We see them like there's like alpacas or llamas or something coming. It's like proper. Oh, look at this. This is this is the Amazon you think of when you're like a child being introduced to like global car- caricatures. Some kind of gross, difficult animal involved, like a fucking llama, <laughs> and just like dudes with funny hats and ponchos and panpipes. It's like classic Peruvian style. That that panpipes guy is having such a good time. The yeah. only one. Having. I know. I feel like he may have just wandered onto the set, and they just included him in the film. And an anecdote I read was that uh, Werner Herzog convinced him to leave his village he thought he he might have been a little bit uh, touched or something this guy um and he thought that he needed to stay and play, he played panpipes in his village and it, it stopped them all from dying or something so he was quite hard to convince to come along and be a part of the film and he, you know he was apparently uh quite a weird guy <laughs> this uh panpipe oh, yeah, i'm just seeing that he apparently he's scared easily and could be difficult to manage. Um, so he was right easily. next to Klaus Kinsin, Klaus Kaczynski all the time, so yeah, I'd be scared. I, I think everyone's scared easily when yeah. you're in the middle of the jungle, being led by Werner Herzog, and Klaus Kinski is just present. Just an angry German man who is terrifying to pretty much everyone, and has shot people. Yeah, I'd be scared. Justifiably terrifying. Yeah. Hmm. I do think my, my the, one of the really effective scenes uh, when uh, Kaczynski's just uh, standing, looking a bit tired and worn out by a tree, and exasperated midway through, and the panpipe guy is just next to him, kind of trolling him, just playing the panpipes. <laughs> it's, it's like this is really puffy quality to the way it's it's uh, be, been recorded because it's happening for real, and just yeah. Klaus being like. Oh. Fucking! What have I done? I know the shot just stays there on them the whole time. It's just the wonderful juxtaposition of the weariness of the characters, but also the kind of chipperness of the Peruvian guy. I kind of yeah, it does. It. I I like that it um, that scene comes after um, the the blowing up of a raft of people. Who yeah. were part of the expedition? So there's just all these shots of everyone who's left 
under the command of Agiri, looking exhausted and and pained and kind of worried while these cheerful panpipes play. Yeah, and it just um, I just really like I, the the scene felt like at any point Klaus could have grabbed the panpipes and smashed them on a tree like it's hateful yeah. eight or something, yeah. and he's just like ah, I've had enough of this. So it, it it was imbued with tension, even though it, that didn't happen. That is something. I mean, we we have. Uh, I keep forgetting the name of the film. The Great Silence. Was yeah, it? that's the name of uh, the film. But he's in. Yeah, I mean, we did that previously, and you know, he has a uh, Kinski has a or had a very distinctive face, but a menacing in, eyes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but in this. Particularly emphasised and exaggerated, um, and he just he he never doesn't look like he's about to kill someone. That's true. I mean, like, maybe anyone could have been his next victim in this film. Which is it, like, and he has it as it goes on. Obviously, the whole thing's about the wearing down of the the, the I guess the search party, um, but like. Agiri has this, like, I'm a little teapot, slouched to one side kind of yeah. stance and walk. I tried, to, I tried to find out what was got because I wondered whether that was... Because it, 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 it becomes more pronounced as the film goes on. He almost, um, limp, almost limps around, like, with one yeah. arm numbed and dangling. And I, well, don't, I, 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 I wondered... Well, I wondered whether it was, like, a, some kind of, like, weird syphilis thing that they were going know, for. Yeah. I know that causes that can cause like physical deformities and mental health problems and he clearly like mm. goes progressively more insane as the film goes on not that he isn't at the start but then he gets like more more of a fucking maniac as the film goes on and more physically not deformed but like just just does odd things yeah. um and lashes out more so i did wonder whether that was it or whether it was just a sort of vague idea of Oh, that's a, expressing his that's deterioration. Just, yeah, that's just an affectation that kind of sells this idea of him being eccentric and mad and worn out. Abby, what did, how did you find Kinski in his role? Suitably menacing. I don't quite know how to put it into words, but just that general feeling of... Just... Uh, sort of like when you see the school bully and you go, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you arrive among you and your friends and you're like oh crap I, the, the, one of the best descriptions for that kind of person and it suits him I think in real life and in this film perfectly is he is the wasp in the room uh, sure like sure. when you're sitting around and you see something move in the corner of your eye and you look and it's a fucking huge wasp and it's just in the room with you yeah, it's not necessarily a problem, but you don't want to cross it, and that's the but vibe it it's going with. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think to me, there's definitely an enigmaticness to the character. Like he, so, you know, so at the, they basically the the exploring party gets to the big raging river, and they're like, "There's no fucking way we can cross this." We're running out of like supplies, and they make a big decision to be like, okay, we're going to send... A, I can't quite remember the specifics, but it's, we're going to send a little party across the river on, on rafts, and they're going to you know, go find the nearest civilization and try and, I don't know, fight off whichever tribes people are there, or get supplies, or do something productive, and then come back within the week, and if you don't come back, we're fucking right back off. 
um, we'll just stay put, right, guys? And you're like, that. I mean, you're in the middle of the jungle. There's no way within a week you're going to be able to sort any... It was just like, well, this plan's doomed. This is a terrible idea. But that's the premise, and they sort of write, they sort of make a big point of it and make it formal. And I think even Agiri is like, this is fucking dumb. We're not crossing that river. But anyway, the the smaller parties are going to go against some some of this like and it's also there's a bit of an argument about why the fuck are you taking the ladies with you that's mental like don't just yeah just the army guys surely and a few slaves there's this weird thing as well where they they said like this is unusual but i found her speech so compelling that i let her go and i'm like does she speak <laughs> she's in a bloody yeah, box she isn't she she doesn't seem very charismatic to be honest i don't know like there's a lot of that where he used silence a lot, and they kept referring to these conversations. And I was like, "When did this happen?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that, I think that, I don't know if it's uh, deliberate or through the nature of how the piece was created, but <clears throat> a lot of uh, a lot of the way you feel at the animosity and the tension is from it's unspoken or scenes that aren't in it, but the implied uh, the look on everyone's face tells you. Oh shit went down, and there's 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 a like we don't we haven't come on this group fresh. This is a group that have been in the jungle for a while. There's already a power imbalance in the group, and there's potentially, uh, you know, disagreeable figures within the group, and they all know that. And there's a sense that things are going to happen. Things have happened and will happen off screen. Yeah, you know? there's a you get the sense that they fought over. Uh, you know, direction or leadership between each other before. Like, there's a tension between Agiri and uh, Ursua. And Agiri is, uh, doesn't speak much. So, like, even though uh, Klaus is, like, meant to be this angry, mad figure, he actually doesn't have that much to say. And he doesn't, you know, there's there's a bit, bits of action, but he's quite subdued. It's He never, he's not, like, going crazy all the time. He's just there. And there's an implication that, the men are with him, possibly through fear, possibly through loyalty or something. That he controls a large group of the men that are going to go on this extra bit of searching. And that there's a weakness to the actual leader that can be easily usurped when uh, he decides to, you know? It, um, yeah, there's, it's from what I can see on, uh, like, behind the scenes stuff about the film, that kind of quiet, menace that he has comes from disagreements between Herzog and Kinski in how he should perform because Kinski wanted him to be more of a kind of raving lunatic type of character um, and, and Herzog whereas, wanted him to be like a calmer pre- like a yeah. menacing but, presence so he would just do endless takes letting uh, Kinski fucking go mad until he was exhausted and then use the quieter ones that would come towards the end of shooting. <laughs> Just f- film him knackered and worn out and yeah. petulant. That's funny though, isn't it? That's genius. To, yeah. to let him just spend his lord like an angry toddler and then no, no, now you've given me the performance I want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, why Herzog felt he had to trick Klaus and Force like make him angry to make like in real life to make him angry. I mean, let him act for Christ's sake. Do you have to actually make everyone suffer so they give you the authentic performance? They worked together for fifteen years after this. Weird. 
it is like it's it's the perfect dysfunctional marriage. <laughs> Maybe so. I, I I thought it was good though. I liked I liked the the I I I think I'd I'd lean into that if he was raving and killing people and being you know crazy all the time. Like it comes as a bit of a shock. So basically, uh, you know, there's a right. We're doing this. Uh, at like, actually, do they have? They lose their boats. They lose the rafts first. And they they do the first bit of crossing the river, uh, and this is quite weird because they got the like the little what are those things? Those boxes with arms on so that people can carry you, like carriage. Well, they called it a sedan seat. Yeah, I think I mean that'll do as a term. Yeah, I, think I mean, do say that in the subtitles. There's probably a bunch of different names for them, but yeah, box is pretty good. The little royal it's a, it's, box without yeah, wheels. Yeah, it's a rich yeah. person box. Yeah, you put a rich person inside and carry them around. And so we got like three different like wooden rafts that are, apparently Herzog just got the locals to make for him. That's like fucking a planning guys. Anyone? <laughs> like, or maybe that happened on the second batch of rafts. I don't know, but like. They raft across the river, and you're like, fuck, it is weird just watching, like, people in period costume on rafts in, in the actual Amazon. And, it, like, and the other thing that's kind of weird about the film, and it's 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 present throughout because of the way it's shot, but it's like a documentary. Even though it's a period drama, it's like a modern documentary where we're documenting a, the adventure. And, like, there's this weird, like, because it's, it's fundamentally a handheld camera, and it fogs up in the in the mist and the heat, and it gets water on it, and it like the blooms happen, and it, it's like it's you know this is a man there on a raft with the actors in the actual Amazon. This isn't bullshitted. We're just documenting getting the actors to travel and do the thing, and supposedly it's quite an improv piece at times. It's, um, so um, it's quite weird that it's got that documentary feel to it. Yeah, it has that like. Uh... That cinema verite style, which I think is something I haven't said out loud since I was in university. <laughs> um, but um, it's weird. It reminds because I know uh, Francis Ford Coppola talks about this being a big influence on Apocalypse Now, which I can definitely. Um, a bunch of people going mad and going down a river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, just just not and well, yeah, and even the the story of Aguirre is almost like a prequel to the story of Colonel yeah, it's Pitts. like exactly the same. Um, well, the f- making the film was terrible. The film yeah. was amazing. <laughs> making this film was terrible. The results were amazing. Like it's that kind of yeah. They, they are very um, much a parallel of each other, aren't they? But also that uh, that style, like almost like handheld, like um, documentary feel that it has. That you're like in there with them. Um, the original idea for Apocalypse Now when George Lucas was going to direct it was to direct it as a fake documentary and have it be filmed like handheld style um, which would have which would have been so different and weird um, and also yeah like this is, is so odd isn't it as like yeah also not as creative as I think you would assume George Lucas would be at this point um, at that point I don't know yeah well, like no, no way. Like looking back, like looking at the stuff he made long after that, you're like, oh, that actually sounds quite artistically interesting, and not uh, the guy who made the Star Wars prequels. Uh, but um, um, the fact that it started out like that, but didn't end up being that. But even then, the film that was made is still very similar to this in different ways. Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious connections and parallels to Apocalypse Now. 
Uh, but you know, this came first, so when a Herzog gets that accolade, and also, you know, this is quite ambitious. Just fucking yeah, what you? It's almost like once we've ra- wrapped all our actors in period costumes and got some people who look right and can do a bit of ad libbing and. You know, if we just wear them out and film them, it'll look like the story we want to tell anyway. And it, yeah. Like if we just if we just actually do the thing that's in the script, why will we know, won't have to? Ends up, the, the thing that ends up with everyone except one person dead. If yeah. we just do it, just murder we'll people caught. in the Amazon. I'll have a great film. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you do. Fucking, I mean, you say this. Build the fucking massive raft. That I love that they make a little uh, toilet. Yeah, like, like the little, uh, <laughs> yeah, the little hut toilet. Yeah, Abby, what did you make of this? Uh, like, fuck it, we'll just shove everyone down down the river in a raft and film it all and see what happens. Vibe. Um, they're not the first; they won't be the last. <laughs> but it's so. If you don't catch lightning in the bottle. Hmm. Someone's you... gonna die, yeah. and you have fucked everything. It's so risky. It's as a strategy. It's like Herzog making the film found El Dorado, but he so easily could have had a mutiny and been murdered, couldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so risky. But you don't think? How did you find it though? Did you? Because uh, uh, before the podcast, you, there was a suggestion. Perhaps you found it a little bit. Hard going because it's uh, it's a it's a it's a slog of a journey for the characters, but also there's quite a lot of mean jerk people hanging around surviving together. You know, it's a bit of a cup of tea thing for me personally, where it's it's not that it's bad, it's that it's just not my kind of thing, but I still appreciate it. You you do feel tired at the end. Mm. Um, I felt tired I think... anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm one of those people who I quite like when a film doesn't really have any likable characters in it because then it like it forces me to like try and sympathise with somebody like give me yeah. latch onto something. You've got problems, man. I do. I just really like to beat myself up. Uh, <laughs> there's like the one, the one, the voice of reason. Who stays is the one who stays behind and is like, well, I'm not sure this is the best idea. And yeah, I, I, I don't agree with fully how we're doing this, but I guess you guys can do it. It's your thing. Off you pop, and then that guy's yeah. gone, and we're left with like, oh, the monk is the the account is from the monk's diary, I guess. Because um, we already we know nobody survived from the get go. We know it was all like, oh, a diary of a monk was found or something or other. So we don't we don't expect it to go well. But then the monk's kind of a jerk. Like they have a couple yeah, of. Dick. <laughs> like he's a bit of a prick to everyone, but he's not, you know he's not a major character. But there's like a bit where um, some of the tribes people who aren't killing them with arrows and darts uh, approach in like a canoe uh, when they're on one of the rafts, and they get them on board and they're like, "Hello, basically, oi, be Spanish and be love Christians. God, be Christians now. Here's the Bible. Understand this." Even though we've got like uh, just a Peruvian prince who we've kidnapped to translate for you, he's going to try and explain. But just l- and then they, he kind of listens to the book and discards it yeah. to the ground. And then they like you can't do that. And they just murder him and his partner. And it's like <laughs> what the just <laughs> like what I was I was expecting because it's from you know the setup is it's from the diary of the priest. Um, and because of the, just the look on the priest's face, like the guy they cast. Um, he has a, he has this fantastically haunted look, 
Um, you expect him to like, be a sympathetic character along, yeah, I, like a Christian thought, who believes in not killing people, but no, he's just a prick as well. I thought he was going to be the, I guess, the audience surrogate who is there to, like, document the crazy stuff. And doc- yeah, and, like, be the one who's, like, I, I think Agiri is leading us to our doom. He's going insane. But then when it gets to that point where after uh, Asua gets shot and also doesn't die, I was really surprised that they have him shot and then they just... They keep him with them. Like, they don't finish him yeah. off. Because I got confused. Because I got confused with the names because sometimes they use first name, sometimes they use last yeah. name. I thought he was dead and they were talking about someone else. I know. Um... But it's when uh, Asua's partner, I guess. I can't remember if she's his wife or not. But um, I call her his mistress. Uh, yeah, his, who brings them? You got to leave the wife in the house. She's she's smart and has a has a mansion, <laughs> a manor, and a or a castle or something. Like she's um, staying home with the kids. The mistress can go. They'll keep you busy in the Amazon. But I like I like that she comes to the priest, sort of behind Agiri's back, and and tries to ask like. What are we gonna do? Like, what? What are we gonna do we, about like, this mutiny? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's taken over the expedition, and the priest basically says, "Ah, well, you know, the Bible does teach us that." It basically says the strongest survive. So he's <laughs> like saying, "You fucked. We're all on a Geary side." Yeah, Bi- Bible says no. <laughs> it's fine. It's really it's really weird, isn't it? Like that to take that because this is this is the thing. No one is with. It's not like all of. Uh, Agiri's men are with him. They're almost frighteningly no, going just, along with it. They're held hostage. But it's like, but you are the hostage. Like it's like because he because what all that happens is the the basically Agiri's men. So Asura is shot, but and it's just and the one man, the one soldier who objects gets shot, and then this is the other aspect of the film. So instead of just we've killed him and now we're in charge. This like now formality must be obeyed, and yeah. we are going to because it's a mutiny. But we must obey rules. We're gonna have a faux election and elect the nearest thing we have to like an aristocrat. We have this fat guy who's here for some reason, and he's a he's the closest thing to a like the next. He's like a lord or whatever. So he's now. How, how do we all like emperor? Yeah. So he's he's elected, which I, do you elect kings? I guess you do. Um, but they all, but it's, it's they have that wonderful shot where they pan across all the people who are there, and there's this look of like, if uh, Klaus is sort of looks at you, you'll put your fucking hand up. Yeah. <laughs> and they all eventually put their hands up really slowly and vote for the kind of Patsy stand-in uh, leader. And there's definitely like they kind of slam him on a throne, and it's like ah, this is a fucking plank and some uh, what's it like? This is like a plank and a uh, like oh, some velvet. Uh, yeah, or... any. Something like any any throne is is just a a plank with velvet thrown over it. What more do you um, want? Like done. You're the I, you're the nominal leader now. I love that when they like swear him in. There's that shot of him just crying, and he's just given a scroll or something. <laughs> and it's just like they, they it's like this bizarre formal hostage situation, and it it never yeah. dispenses the formality. So this guy who's made the king emperor, or whatever, he's treated like it. Like so, he gets like his food cooked for him in a special seat in a commode, and but they still they don't treat him nicely. They just 
keep up the facade of him being yeah, important. Yeah, they're, they're doing. Yeah, they're doing all of the things that are necessary, but at the same time, clearly don't like him. And I like that as it goes on as well. He embraces all of the like gluttony and like. He becomes power crazy as well. Like he, yeah. even when they have like this mock trial, and it's like, like Akiri, Akira, oh fuck it, Akira, <laughs> Agiri, Agiri, Agiri uh, is obviously like, like this is fucking finish this guy off, and the people who are on his side kill them. But okay, yes, yeah, formality. And then they have the pointless, like the guys, like we're gonna have the court case and stuff. We I should be, and the monk is the judge, and we have little. We're like in the middle of the fucking Amazon, guys, and you're mocking up a kind of fake court, and it, it is pointless. And then, the, and then the uh, the new king is like, uh, because it's a special holiday though, and yeah. even though he's been found guilty by the one-sided court case we just had, he is spared, and we're going to keep him as a prisoner because I'm not. He's not utterly going to go along with everything, and he's just like this needless thorn in the side of the plan, which is this essentially is great... just get the go, go find an El Dorado and be rich and take over it. There's a great surprised reaction from Klaus Kinski when that happens to you. Oh, <laughs> the, over the funny. shoulder. Yeah. Wait, what? What and the I also fuck? like the fact that um, Agiri's clearly the one in control here, but because of all of the, the formality and rules he's now set up, he also has to go along with the fact that they're going to keep him alive. Yeah, that's that's what's so odd, isn't it? It's like, it isn't like a true... It's like a, we want... And then the fact is, they write out a big document saying, fuck you, the king of Spain. We are, <laughs> we are, mutin- we are formally mutinying. And it's like, well, if you... It doesn't... What? It doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> like it's like—is this all gonna? No, it's it it, it's like do... that's like the madness of it, I guess. Yeah, one of the things I like about it. There's a scene later on as well that kind of sums that up. Is the that that like early colonialism and how um, how it kind of worked. There's that scene where they're floating down the river and the king is um, or the emperor, whatever. Yeah. Guz- Guzman is his name in the movie. Guzman, um, yeah. Is um, like declaring the the land that they come across his yes even and though they're just in sort the of river. saying it to no one yeah <laughs> how much and like it doesn't fucking matter because like no one's here to hear it it's like, like it's like what it's it like worked. it's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest like where they're all inmates and they're yeah. all insane and they're just if <laughs> if we believe it it's fine that'll do and it's like but you're like, in the Amazon guys no one can hear also... you make these decorally make these that's also how it happened (laughs) like people just went places and went this is now my place it's like the arrogance of civilization to come and say you're all savages and we're in charge it's like yeah all right but does the sun the earth the sea know that no it doesn't care (laughs) like you you're the elements say no and you seem ignorant of that i i enjoyed his unceremonious off-screen death right as he comes out of the toilet as well. And what did he die of? Did he just get poisoned or like we just die of being somebody, a fat guy in the middle of nowhere? Somebody murdered him. Like they because uh, those two guys are conspiring and then oh, in right. the next he comes out of the toilet and then suddenly he's dead. He's um, strangled or something. There's something weird around his neck. Yeah, I thought he was yeah, his it looked like he was like tied to one of the raft uh, like one of the planks that make up the raft. Or logs that, that make the, up the raft. There's a lot of getting around not the practicalities of having to do uh, deaths by just panning the camera to where someone's been killed with an arrow or a dart. Yeah. There's a lot. There are a few times where they actually show something happen violently, but there are some impressive, like 
I guess it's probably done in like reverse motion. Um, but moments where people do get suddenly hit with arrows that work really well. Hmm. Um, the the best for me is probably the guy who gets hit in the leg when he's yeah yeah he's just whenever they the yeah there's that whole scene where they're like they think they see a ship and we also see a ship and we don't know whether it's in a tree specifically or not yeah um and then he gets hit in the leg with an arrow out of nowhere and he's like this arrow doesn't affect me because it's not real <laughs> <laughs> but it just makes this great like it's so sudden and it just makes this great like no he's yeah it's like, good. hits him in the leg but it, yeah for the most part it's like they they sort of get a ra- they imply uh, any of the death and violence rather than showing it outright um, there's a lot of um, shots of people having been hit directly in the head with an arrow, yes. which is not something I see very often in, in movies that involve people being shot with arrows. <laughs> no, I agree. That's not something I've seen very often either. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's easier to do in modern times, but back, you know, it is, you know, practical effects, uh, it requires a little more effort than CGI. Um, not to do a disservice to the hard-working people behind computers, but, uh, you know. Anyway, like... Uh, not to go through beat by beat. There's a, there's a lot of sections to it, and like Apocalypse Now, there's kind of li- little anecdotes of madness where it's just oh my god, there's a boat in a tree, or like in, in Apocalypse Now, it's like oh there's the Playboy bunnies and the crashed helicopter bit, and you know, so they, they as they go through deeper in the jungle, further down the river, they come across various problems. One of the big things, which was quite an interesting element of this movie, is uh, so the first rafts are all ruined because there's a flood, and that actually happened on the set or something where. You know, they came back to the the rafts that had been ruined by the like the river increased and broke all the rafts up, and so mm-hmm. uh, Herzog was like, "Oh, we'll write that into the thing." I feel I feel like I should have done an impression, but I just don't want to because it's too much pressure. <laughs> but Herzog Herzog would have been, you know, he once the rafts were broken, they were like, "Oh." Let's incorporate that into the story. We'll get the locals to make new rafts, like the big one where they have like the commode and the shelter, and they fucking put a horse on there as well. Like, oh, oh, oh. It's, it's so awful, isn't it? The horse bit where the horse is like tripping and the, the raft's almost sinking, and the horse is falling down. It's genuine. It's like, oh my god, they're actually yeah. Again, bullying a horse they, now. They basically just did the thing and then made it into a, the film. <laughs> like it's. Um... I also like that the horse swimming away and making it to the bank and then just standing there and watching them. It's so <laughs> funny when they abandon the horse. It's just that the horse is just in its like little medieval style hood in the middle of the Amazon, just out of context, and they carry on floating. It just stands there waiting. And it's just been shoved off the raft and abandoned. And then the guys later on are like, ah, oh, we could have eaten that horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's really getting out of hand, but it, and it was just get, they got rid of it because it essentially couldn't stand on the raft, and I think it kicks some of the fire into the gunpowder keg, and, yeah. and Klaus gets to chuck a big old burning keg into the river and explode, and you know there's a bit of madness while everyone's sort of shooting at the people who who are like there's a lot of like whenever they're attacked by uh, tribes people. They don't know what to do. Oh. They can fire their cannons or they can shoot. Just randomly but they... fire, yeah. Yeah. What's I don't the... know if, yeah, go on. If anyone has ever had much experience being in like close quarters with a horse. But like they're basically monsters. Like they're they're huge <laughs> muscular 
like monsters with human teeth, giant human teeth, who could very easily kill you. So the idea of being in like a a awkwardly small space with a big frightened horse is terrifying. Well, on a bloody river made of like a shitty raft you fit. Like Abby, how did you actually? How did you feel? Because there's a lot of like just like we can throw monkeys around and and like shove horses. How did did it feel? Like did your inner vegan feel a bit hurt by this, or or was it something you just went, oh well. They didn't really hurt anything. I tried not to think about it, to be honest. Ever since I found out that the um, like that animal safety act that they brought in happened much later than I thought it did, I'm like, don't think about it. <laughs> don't. Like, I think uh... I'm not. I think 1990 is the only time I'm definitely safe, and even then, mm, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this, this, um, this film is very fly by the seat of your pants. So there's a definite sense of Herzog's priority wasn't uh, health safety of the humans, let alone the animals. So at, yeah. at times it feels like you're being a bit devil may care. I guess would be the like way of putting it. With I'm sure those things. monkeys weren't the cleanest things to be around either. And Klaus Kinski's just picking them up and chucking them around. Um, Sad, isn't it? But like. Yeah, some chickens get thrown off a cliff right at the start of the film. We also like. Oh, yeah. so, I mean, I hate chickens, but still, <laughs> don't throw them off a cliff. They taste nice. Wait, um, did you say you hate chickens? Yeah, they're gross little things. Are you the gnome king from Return to Oz? Oh, secrets oh. out. But like, also, also, we we see some uh, some hogs being ushered by by the Peruvians early on before they split up. But uh, I was a bit worried that it was going to go like a bit cannibal Holocaust, where you just see an animal get killed on screen, or actually Apocalypse Now, where you you literally see a bull get slaughtered on camera. Well, there's loads of sem- the seventies were rife with films where we're just going to kill some animals, and it's yeah. fine because we paid official hunters. It's like I don't think. I don't know if that's enough, guys. I think you're just... Yeah. I, think you, I don't think the authenticity is required to just... Anyway, your film isn't above the lives of animals necessarily. You know. um, but yeah, back to the back to the rafts. The rafts get smashed up, and then Herzog incorporates that into the story. It's very much like a, yeah, I wrote this on a bus, and uh, it took me didn't take me very long to write, and now we're just going to ad-lib and change it the story to you know suit as we go along. Didn't uh, something get spilled on his original script, and they, he couldn't remember what he wrote. There's all so kinds of, kind of yeah stuff like that. Pieced it together. There's a very much like look, yeah, it's just like we're doing this. It'll be good, right? And yeah, so inspiration struck, and the they added the building new rafts into the descent between the the group, and I, I think it's effective. And the fact that they come up with it, they have to make a new raft it changes the. We go from three rafts to one bigger one, and we're losing members to, uh, you know, peop- the the law the tribes people who are occasionally, uh, sniping them off or attacking them, like or booby trapping them. We have like a little yanked up into the trees booby trap at one point oh my god i laughed out loud when that happened because it just was i was not expecting it and all the weirdly with the guy who went back looking because i closed my eyes for a second and he was gone i was like what yeah and then the guy was like (laughs) what (laughs) whenever you see it play out it's just it it happens with no real noise he just like turns upside down and goes up 
<laughs> it's so. I was also really impressed that they rigged that up for the film. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it's good. And uh, yeah, you're right, Abby. Though the little the guy coming back, going like, "Oh, what, where's he gone?" And there's like his weapon stare, and his blood's dripping down. But there's like, "What?" Uh, I, I like that he sees he uh, he looks up and sees what's happened to him, but we don't. We don't, yeah. That's yeah. good. And that's you know that's the way to do it, I think. And there's there's so many little things that happen within the jungle or on the river, and we just slowly dwindle numbers. And there's a few characters that emerge as people who stand out more, but really it's just a massive disparate people who are on this it's now the focus is being lost there's less of a we have to get to El Dorado and more of a I guess we just yeah. keep going because there's nowhere else. we have to like even to live we can't stay in the jungle because we get killed by the locals we just go down river because there's nowhere else to go yeah just keep going and conquer whatever we come across as they all just get killed off yeah and then um and then various people who feel like they're kind of trapped are either well, like one guy's in prison and he's being fed and they're keeping him and he's holding on to something desperately, uh, but he escapes and then no, the the person who's holding something he gets taken That's off. That's for sure. Yeah, he's he holding gets something in his hand. And yeah, they they just quietly take him off into the forest and hang him. And they said those guys didn't come back. So, like, lots of people abandoned this. Like, the the woman, Abby, I think you mentioned, she just wandered... No, it was just in the start of the podcast. But the lady, the girlfriend of, of uh, the now-hung-in-the-jungle guy, mm. uh, she takes the opportunity when everyone's fighting a tribe to just wander off because it's better yeah, than the craziness. Yeah, they go ashore at some point. And they find salt, and they're so desperate for like salt because they haven't had it for weeks that they just eat it out of the ground. <laughs> um, yeah, and she, that's when yeah she just goes fuck it and just walks off into the wood into the forest and I guess lets the natives murder her. Or or, um, or is living like Tarzan now happily yeah. with the monkeys. This is also though it's where that's where Agiri goes full like fucking bananas <laughs> and like um basically says look you're you're all with me or i'll kill you um and it's where his we we haven't mentioned his personal assassin that he has who's doing his dirty work for him and sings a, a little song every <laughs> time he's about to kill someone which goes la 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 <laughs> La 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 la. He also does it when he's being a bit creepy and rapey towards that woman. Yeah. Very, very relieved by the time the film ended that he didn't actually rape her at any point. Because, like, if the film's bleak enough. But, um. Which was actually, like, a weird aspect of the coming. The times they come to land and they maybe brave fighting off the, the natives, they get to, like, a, a village at one point that's abandoned. And it's abandoned. And they're like, oh, no, like I like the way it's filmed as well, where everyone's like, oh, bananas and food, like you say, like they're kind of desperate yeah. for sustenance, and like the the emperor guy who was alive is like smashing fruit into his face, and and then like uh, Klaus has to be like, fucking look around for danger, you prick, stop like yeah. raiding the village, and then they kind of twit, like I don't know what it is. they got like mummified corpses or something, like there's just creepy. Withered corpses. And well, it's, they also find the conquistador helmets, so they realise that like they're cannibals people, or something. Yeah, because uh, one of yeah they find a skull that's been like boiled and bleached. Pretty weird. Maybe it's for, um, maybe it's for educational purposes. 
Maybe there's some uh, biologists being trained up in the jungle. Hmm. But they, whenever they they do make attempts to be on land, but mostly they end up back on the raft going down river, and it just yeah they just these all dwindle, don't they? It just becomes less and less. The raft breaks, people die off, the formalities fall away, and it's like the when the the emperor guy is is killed. Uh, no, he's just when they're distracted, isn't it? Because there's like a lot of <coughs> oh, excuse me. There's a lot of um, oh, we must like the cannons and shoot people and and like um, and then everyone's like helping themselves to all the dinner and fish and fruit that they've oh yeah <laughs> they've served to him while his back's turned and there's very much a we don't care anymore. Things are falling apart and everyone's getting more frightened of the attacks that are happening on them and hiding and like they have this massive great big cannon, but it's not any use for anything other than saving time burying people you know and it just it is just a descent into hell and madness and uh the um it's, it's fucked up possibly my favorite scene um is around where a, a similar point to where the mistress walks off into the forest yeah, which is where the two guys are conspiring to leave. Quite loudly, it looked like. I mean, some of yeah, the dub not, is a bit odd. It's definitely a stage whisper. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Agiri overhears and has his uh, singing assassin take one of them out in probably like it's the most violent on-screen death in the film, but um, he's counting. I don't remember what it is he's counting. Um, and the guy that he was conspiring with is trying to tell him that there's someone behind him with a fucking yeah. machete. And then he just fucking takes his head off. It's very cartoony. Then, it suddenly becomes very, very B-movie at that point. That moment, though, where you see his disembodied head continue to count before he dies. <laughs> I was so pleased that that was in the film. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a weird one. It's almost like you think, oh, it's about madness and one person who's crazy leading everyone, but it's about everyone's individual unique madnesses. Like you know, they they make the the black guy get naked and scare people off who aren't really there, and they they sort of everyone is like some people are in on it and are kind of yeah, I'm up for a bit. Like there's a general sense of it'd be good if we find our own kingdom and a, and a city of gold. And, but it's almost like a we have to believe this because if, if we don't, we've just been led astray by an absolute maniac. And, yeah. But I think like it's a piece about everyone's individual craziness. It's not a group conspiracy. It's it's just civilization does not work in the jungle. You can't take formality and the class system and how you do things. And and it's like an, the and arrogance of on a raft. Yeah, you can't. It just you're in the jungle. The Amazon doesn't care about you. The natives aren't going to treat you with any respect, or, or you know they they outnumber you, or they don't care, or whatever. Like it's about the the folly of arrogance in a sense. Is it the whole thing? I think. Yeah, I mean it. It's that, and it's also the the fragility of all of like. You know everything that people put in place to how easily it falls apart when desperation kicks in. Yeah, and as soon as like 
easy access to food is taken away or like they're isolated on this little raft it all just sort of collapses until you just have this one sideways stooping maniac shouting at monkeys on a boat yeah just chasing off monkeys on his raft and floating on and he's gonna have children with his daughter to create a pure bloodline yeah his daughter who is also killed at that point, like she's already gone. She's she's behaves. She's the like the most like she seems quite blinkered to the danger. Like she's in her box or behaving nicely and is being pretty. She occasionally takes her ruff off to relax, but fundamentally <laughs> she doesn't see. She seems the least phased. Like everyone else kind of goes crazy, and then she's hit with an arrow and gone. And it's like there's the last drop of hope and sanity gone with her. And yeah. then Kaczynski's just looking at her like, oh well. Goodbye, mind. You say she wasn't faced by shit. It's because that was her dad. But when you've had that dad your whole life, nothing else you know, tops it. It's like, oh, that was slightly strange, but is it weird in my dad? I see. Nope. Yeah. Like, don't... <laughs> At that point. I, uh, I, I didn't think the film was about this kind of uh, group. Like, I, I, I did, what, I, what I was thinking when it started off, the mutiny aspect... I was thinking, oh, this is like a kind of Moby Dick story where one man's mad quest kills all of his crew trying to get the one thing he wants. He wants to get to El Dorado and he's after, it's like greed and gold and and uh, obsession. But it really wasn't about, like, like, he, like, Akira brings up his obsession and, and forces people to do stuff, but he... Isn't, it doesn't. It's not like this. I must get the gold, El Dorado. It's more. I'm mad, and I've made this happen. But it's. It is. It is. I. I didn't. I. I liked that it. it wasn't just like this quest for the unachievable thing. It was just how the jungle gets you. I think what makes it work is it isn't as tight or as focused as a film like this would be if it had been made on a higher budget. Like when or... like um you went I don't think you were on it, Jamie, but we did Mosquito Coast. And that was yeah, about yeah. that was all about like how you can't like arrogant arrogant man can't survive and but he did in that. He was like, oh you like there were that what that was bigger budget and had more to say and it 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 didn't achieve it as well as this did, which this one just showed like how yeah, you can't it's... survive. <laughs> And how formality doesn't matter. It just highlighted the flaws of society. Because of the almost unfocused nature of the story, but also at the same time, it's it's kind of unfocused, but it's also very simple. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, it's the combination of that and how messy the production was that adds to how kind of shambolic and just like it feeds into the theme of the film, which is just like, Oh, it all just fell apart Um, in a very similar way to how everyone going insane, making apocalypse now feeds into how insane everyone is in the film. Yeah. It, it it very much, uh, the artistic validity of the piece is because it paralleled the director's quest to make it. And that, uh, there's so many like some in a way the film is genius if it is genius it's because of how ambitious it was and how mad it was to achieve it so you kind of have to give it credit because it's like it was ballsy to do this and it was artistically valid because i mean maybe maybe it isn't maybe it was just like one reckless idiot 
taking liberties with what he can get away with. But it is it is it's like uh, because it's it's so out there and it's trying. It's not conforming to how films are done. There's a lot, you know. There's actual inconsistencies. You don't know how many characters there are at any point. Like you, you're not sure if people have died or they've forgotten of, about them or they don't have them for this scene. Or but and that's what I mean, though. That adds into it because that's kind of what it would be like to be in this situation. Yeah, it's like by dragging all of your cast and crew through the jungle, you lose track of everything and you just film what you can and then sew the story together afterwards. And I, you know, it, it's effective, but it isn't. It doesn't have the polish, but it's a piece about not polishing something up. It's about just sending your actors downriver and seeing what happens and dealing with the consequences of having you know, it, you know, um, such an awful time making it. A weird, a weird one to compare it to, but the it's a similar thing, and it's just it it also works really well in adding that kind of chaotic realism to it. Is the way the original Blair Witch Project was made in that they just sent this, like, trio of actors into the woods with vague instructions day-to-day on what they want them to do and then nothing else and just let them go and then would, like, deliberately scare and and hassle them at night to get genuine reactions out of them and then edit it together into a film. Like, that's... it's. It's a very similar kind of thing, and it it has that messy kind of uh, collage of experiences feeling that like reality actually has, rather than yeah. being a, a straightforward story. It's full method, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the last scene on the raft is the perfect summation of both the production and the film itself, with Klaus Kinski just stomping around talking to himself and a bunch of squealing monkeys. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there was a fun fact about the monkeys where Werner Herzog paid to have a bunch of monkeys uh, caught so they could be used in the film, and then the people who had them were like, ah, fuck that, we're just going to take your money, and they tried, they like, they were selling them to some people in Florida, and then he went to the, found them at the airport, or and and then had to pretend, he pretended to be a vet, and suggest that the monkeys needed inoculation so he could steal his monkeys back, and then filmed the film and then released them into the wild again. It was just like, the ball's on him to just be like, I'm going to f- confront these people and pretend to be a vet at an airport. I mean, different times. But like, oh, I don't need any documentation. I'll just how pretend is, to be a vet, and it's fine. <laughs> how is he still alive? Uh, I don't, I... Like, I don't know how just sheer circumstance hasn't, at some point, had something happen to him. He's Maybe, just. I think there is an alternate reality where uh, Herzog did have to kill Kaczynski, uh did have to kill Klaus, and then turned the gun <laughs> on himself, like he supposedly threatened to do oh, when God, he was yeah, going to walk away. Story. So many stories. Jesus but Christ. Anyway, back to the back to the thing that we saw. Uh, Abby, have you got any other notes and bits and pieces that you came across that you thought were interesting or noteworthy or were worth criticising or anything? I don't know. My notes became fairly... As, as time went on, my notes made as much sense as the film. <laughs> it's, it's just drawings of Klaus Kinski after a certain point. <laughs> it just it stops being writing. It becomes a map to the El Dorado that you've made up. So, so in a sense, you were writing and feeling the effects of the film, getting tired and worn out <laughs> and losing any attempt to stay civilised and keep making notes. 
I don't remember what this specifically referenced, but I do have one note that says Klaus flouncing. <laughs> he loves flouncing, and he, he's got these. They've got they all got these. There's a couple of them wearing purple. There's this vivid purple under their sort of armor and things. And I like the way he sort of weaves. He like limps to one side. His arm sort of flops down, and he weaves between people. He, he actually, I he did, never gets too uh, crazy. He's just this odd presence, and I do like the way that. Uh, in an, another film, would have your evil like mutineer be more maniacal, be a bit more Captain Ahab, and mm-hmm. or or have this kind of uh, like at no point does he take control of everyone. There's just an implication that people are scared of him, and he does and he achieves it by just he's usually just l- sitting about with big logs near him, or like, he doesn't do, he doesn't do a whole lot. There's not there's just a we you sort of feel that he's dangerous <laughs> and a general sense of this is a creepy weird guy and this is his this is his journey that he's forcing everyone on and it's you know it it there isn't a lot of um there's not a lot he needs to say or do he just is weird isn't he it just has the essence you can't describe it but you know it and I think uh, Herzog must have uh, seen that in his friend slash uh, enemy, <laughs> enemy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just gone. If we, if I film him, it will work. And uh, I think it, to some extent it does. You buy into. And maybe it's when you. I think it's it's there on screen, but I think when you hear about him as a person, it adds to the fact you you believe the madness more. It's not just. This isn't a man acting. This is a weird man. Like, yeah, I think you instinctively pick up on it just as a, just as a human thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I anyway, like, it's certainly a, a weird piece just to have it end as like just one crazy man or a raft full of other corpses and dead people. Everyone else in his party is dead. He has somehow been spared the arrows of the. Various uh, tribes, people who occasionally pop their heads out of the forest uh, of or jungle, and he's just off he goes. We're just watching him float on down the Amazon, presumably to the sea, and he's yeah, just there he is with his monkeys. Bye, and that's and then the credits sort of roll. And I I don't know, like there's there's some mention of um, him keeping people in line and suggesting he's in charge, but he like says uh, something like. Uh, he is the wrath of God. That's what he says, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Like he's like he sees himself as some sort of powerful deity, which is he doesn't uh, prove to anyone other than shooting can, telling people to fire cannons and stuff. I don't know. What do you, do you guys uh, buy into the fact? You, like I don't know. Everyone just seemed like there was enough weak people along with him that he could dominate without having to do too much. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it's such a mess that as soon as anyone steps up and says, "Follow me," I I'll I'll lead us. I know what to do. Most people are going to go. Well, he seems to know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then just either like realize after a certain point that that person is not the person to follow, or follow them into death. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes sense then. The people who escape or abandon them. I mean, yes, they're in danger, but also. They'd sooner choose the perils of the jungle on their own than deal with this man and his uh, mutineers. You know, you know, it, and it, it it is an interesting piece about people's reaction to difficult circumstances. Yeah, it's sort of a yeah, not to not. It sounds. It almost sounds like a 
pretentious or like too lofty thing to say, but it's kind of a like a a timeless story. Like it's very it it doesn't add much to it. It just takes this very um relatable, familiar idea of someone essentially going like mad with power. Yeah, it's almost like a Greek myth or it's like a kind of yeah. age like a big broad like uh themes and uh it's it's not it's not that important that it's about the spanish trying to conquer the world it's just about civilization and people and madness and nature so it is it's big lofty themes and it, that makes it uh relatable to almost any time period and easy to understand what it's going for i guess even though it is you know i think if i'd been a bit younger i'd be like what the fuck is all this about like i don't know if i could have quite unpicked it uh, when I was a younger guy, I would have been like, well, "This is weird," and that would have been. I wouldn't. No, I don't know how much I would have grasped what he was going for. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm giving it too much credence. But I, I think it, it is qu- quite good. I, I think it's a successful piece, even though I'd be like, I mean, maybe a bit more consideration for your actual other human beings, Sir Tog. Yeah, you know, they're not just disposable people that you can use to make art. <laughs> Maybe consider them a little better, but then no, oh, the oh, the the fucking honesty in the performances. If you abuse people into doing what you want, I mean, I think putting a bunch of people in any enclosed space with Klaus Kinski could potentially be considered almost a crime. Maybe. <laughs> but, I don't know. You know. I, I reckon he wants his reputation to be a madman. I probably. I reckon he's a pussycat, really. I may have shot a few people in the hand and be difficult, but... Uh, I mean, if you read about his life, n- no. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't mess with me now. Um, maybe in my dreams, you'll get me. I, I was going to say, I, don't, I honestly don't know if I would be that confident about it, because he, he may take that as a challenge. Hmm. I mean, I'll start seeing boats in trees, and I won't know if they're there or not. His yeah. face already looks like it's growing out of the wall in a haunted house. Uh, and that hair, that long blonde hair, and then underneath a metal bullet. Oh, it's yeah. really weird and disconcerting. And he, the fact that he doesn't look Spanish at all. Yeah, something... Hmm. Anyway. Did anyone else, just as a, as a last thing, did anyone else pick up on the fact that the lip sync was off from German and they were actually speaking English? I didn't pick up on it, but I, I was aware that... Um, I just think it's obviously not quite right the way it sounds and looks. And yeah. I think it's I think just... my subtitles were out by like a, a half a second as well, so that made it weirder. It's just an odd situation where a German filmmaker made a English language film and then dubbed it back of... in German afterwards yeah, with and... a bunch of different um, nationalities of actors, and then ended up dubbing it into German anyway. Is there such a thing as a spaghetti river movie? I don't know. It wasn't filmed in Italy. That's why they're called spaghetti. No, but they're all all the spaghetti westerns are filled with multinational crews, and they just fucking make it work. I guess it would be a strudel river. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Right, uh, metaphor time, guys. <laughs> Let's just hit it on the head. The bit... those mice Fine. that they were eating, and then she rescued them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, there was lots of animals in this. I, it's funny, like I forgot. I did. It's like, oh yeah, there were tiny baby mice just being picked up and touched, and there's a lot of animals in this that are like 
to be commended for their on-screen charisma. Yeah, I think a lot of that was just circumstantial. They happened to be there. You can't not film animals if you're in the Amazon. Supposedly, another thing, uh, Werner Herzog was attacked by ants and then got a fever because he was Jesus bitten by Christ. ants and stuff. Anyway, Abby, metaphor time. Did you like the film? And can you answer it via metaphor? I can actually do both at once. Where the concept of camping appeals to me. Like the idea of being in the fresh outdoors. And this you... is almost going to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, fresh outdoors, you eat out fresco and you just go out for a walk every day. But camping comes with so many things that are tedious and shit that it's <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> you got the story right. You went. You experienced it. You've come out the other side of the film, and you've you were a better person for it, even if it was full of assholes killing each other. <laughs> so with this, it's just it's it's not that it was like it wasn't tedious and shit, but it's not. It's another one of those films that I wouldn't describe as enjoying. That is the wrong word. <laughs> this film. It is an experience that you have. I and, I appreciate it. Yes. And experienced it. And go, yeah. Have you seen it? And they go, yes. And you go, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, it sort of uh, would link into what I was thinking for my one. And I went... I've been canoeing a couple of times. And I had... I had quite fun on the first time. It was more of a kind of open, fun, childlike canoeing experience. But the second time, I was like forced through some kind of job centre. When I was unemployed and I had to go to the job centre, they eventually go, we're sick of you being unemployed. We're going to force you on a course. And as part of that course, you know, of learning how to get a job, we'll send you on a little day trip somewhere for one of the days. What? Yeah, it was like, what? Why did they send you canoeing? I've been canoeing because of my unemployment, and I've been ri- I've been told to go river walking for my unemployment. I stayed on the bus when we were told to go river hiking. I stayed on the bus and talked to the bus driver for two hours rather than go because I would not be obligated into walking in a river. There was definitely a seismic shift in the stuff you did for the job centre during our like we. We've been on and off it at various points for our lives. There's a point where it's like, oh, we're going to send you to Princess Trust, we're going to send you to do this. And then there was much later on where it's like, there's fuck all we can do with you. The few things we could do with you, you're going to do, and the rest of the time you can fucking shut up. Did they put you in a canoe hoping you just wouldn't come back? <laughs> well, no, it's like a... Do you know, like... It's not, it's not a form of, like, getting rid of you off the books or whatever. <laughs> It, you just you're like you go you go you're unemployed. If you're a professional unemployed person like I was, you they at some point they go well. There must be something. You must be like retarded or something. Like so they they spend they give they send you to the Princess Trust who teach you team building skills and how to fill out application forms and they they try and motivate you through various means and usually there's a fairly positive well done you've made it to the end of the course let's have a day out that's sort of team building but pleasant and it's like all of these unemployed people who are basically thick chavs or lazy louts like me all go together on a on a nice 
trip on a like go canoeing for the day and then me and like an old friend of mine david were both on the course and we're the biggest lads and they put us together in a canoe and they're like you two you got you guys are friends you go together in the canoe everyone else will have loads of space but you two yeah the two giant blokes get in the canoe together and instantly upon he got in and i was like oh well done i step in good night in the in the canal we both go couldn't do it like and it's just just sopping wet and then we get we managed to get sat in the canoe and then the instructor was like so the proper way to sit in a canoe is to cross your legs and sit like on your legs like in a cross leg kneeling position so that you basically like crush your legs into being numb and you can't feel them anymore and then you're supposed to be able to put up with the pain and suffering and then paddle your way down the the canal it's like yeah we're enjoying i'm not i'm like like my legs are numb and they hurt and if I move I want to cry and we're soaking wet because I'm an off and have no balance so for me it's like the enjoyment of suffering like it's the perfect metaphor (laughs) yeah it's like it was a lovely day but I'd been in the water and had legs that hurt and my friend like we're here because we have failed to get jobs as adults (laughs) like we're just these pathetic souls being and it's like it's an enjoyment. I I can look back at that day with a fondness. And it's always like an interesting anecdote, but it, 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 I did enjoy it at the time. There was a sort of begrudging. Well, it, it does look nice here, and eventually being on the river is nice, but this is awful. I wanted to end, <laughs> like you know, and and this I I kind of it's not that I wanted it to end. I needed it to make some sense, and then it just goes nah, it's heartful and weird, and you just go okay. And then you just, you think, you kind of learn the lesson afterwards, you know? And my lesson was, maybe get a job before you get sent on another fucking river trip to teach you how to work at Marks and Spencer's or whatever. I'm still not entirely sure that it wasn't some kind of form of punishment because they were sick of you coming in. They, it's a, I think it's a scam in that some clever clogs thinks, oh, I can teach a bunch of... Uh, idiots how, how like motivate them into getting jobs by you know like we're gonna break boundaries and like teach you stuff yeah and you didn't think you'd learn how to work in an amazon warehouse by going on a river trip did you we're gonna blow your mind with like it's like a some person gets paid a lot to talk to people and make little team building things happen Ugh. you know it's it's just that kind of world isn't it where like, it's the thing that people get sent on in work, isn't it? If you're like as a sort of work retreat, isn't it? Like dopey yeah, type wasting. You even if you are in a job, like any kind of office job, someone who, like you said, gets paid a lot more than you do comes in to talk about team building. They always come in by themselves, oddly enough. Yeah. So I, I just feel like I feel like I feel like a Peruvian slave who's been forced, shackled and forced to experience this. And I'm trying okay. to make. I used to be a prince, and now I'm like translating. No, I don't know. I'm lost in the metaphor. It's been three months, and you still don't have a job. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you on a raft with Klaus Kinski and send you down the river in the Amazon. And at the end, you'll all get to El Dorado, the promised land of employment. Or you'll end up with an arrow in your fucking head. Yeah, well, I would have. It was once I was told to cross my legs and kneel on my legs. I was like, I'll take an arrow to the throat, thank you. <laughs> No, anyway, um, it's kind of like that as a metaphor. Jamie, your go. <laughs> I, mine's kind of similar to Abby's, except with the added uh, dimension of 
It's like when you go to like a a festival that involves like staying in a tent for a number of days, but also continuously drinking almost from the moment you get there and then every day for the two you know or three days that you're there at some point you so, stop going to see bands and you're just you, drinking you're just existing in this like no i'm having a good time sweating in the same clothes you've been wearing for the last two days being bitten by mosquitoes sleeping on the ground the only place you can go to the toilet is in the freaking portaloos in, in the skull of your dead in the skull of your dead friends yeah. <laughs> just it is that like the di- all the discomfort of camping with the added discomfort of having drank too much but also not having anything else to do so having to just continue yeah Werner Herzog has captured the experience of being off your tits at a festival <laughs> <laughs> but also you look back on it as if you really enjoyed it that's true <laughs> Yeah, I think that's I think that's the, the the most appropriate one, really. You, it's it's, will, it's an experience that you should live through if you can. Well, I'm because I've now watched this. I'm fascinated by the other films that they made together. So I'm probably going to go and watch Fitzcarraldo, and I really want to watch his remake of uh, Nosferatu with Klaus Kinski. So it's cause... like you've heard of El Dorado and it failed, but you're like, well, we've got another mission. How about the Bermuda no, no, no. Bermuda it's Triangle? Out, it's out there somewhere. I'll find it. It wasn't on this trip, but next time. Maybe El Dorado is Atlantis, and I just got the maps mixed up. Maybe I'll give it another go. Alright, that's fair enough. Um, Anyway, that's the end of the podcast. See, look, we went all the way without doing one Werner Herzog impersonation. It wasn't even hard. I felt quite happy not doing it. It It felt less racist for a change. It's nice being not doing an accent and offending everyone. He's German. They wouldn't be. It wouldn't be racist. They're a race. We should stop before you carry on. Before I carry on, <laughs> it's not racist to be racist towards Germans. That's your logic. Well, they did the Second World War, didn't they? So you can't be racist to a German. You must never listen to this. <laughs> oh, is that the, is that from the Beth thing? Yeah. Uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Goodbye.